I'm Jared Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. And on this episode, we have Andy Bryant back on the podcast to talk about AI. This will be his fourth time back on the pods. Andy, welcome back to More Than Blockchain. How are you? Hey, thanks. I'm doing great. It is awesome to actually be a real human. Like the last three times, it was just a vocoder. I was just an AI agent in a box. But here I am. I'm a real okay. human being. <laughs> We're going to run with that right there. If you were an AI agent, AI Andy is obviously has a nice alliteration, but would you have a different name? Like AI, I don't know, AI what? What would it be? Yeah, so if I were an AI agent, I would do my best to not make you think I was an AI agent. That would be my primary purpose in life, to, to be duplicitous. And uh, as such, it would just be Andy. It would be, it would be the person that you know and love in front of you right now. Okay, so. all right. All that makes sense. So I have been thinking a lot about you coming back on the pod, and thank you for doing this. We were trying to do every three months, and then honestly, the holidays uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, just a lot of stuff happened. And now I'm back in Columbia. You're up in Massachusetts, so we're going to put another episode here on Wax. I was thinking about a question that I wanted to kick this off with, and here we go. So you're going to have to follow me a little bit as I set this thing up. But I was watching something the other day, and it was talking about financial literacy and credit cards, okay? And that if you don't have a credit card, which is totally fine, you may be actually paying or subsidizing those that do have credit cards. And this is because when you go to a store, many merchants will put that one to two to 3% MasterCard or Visa fee. They'll just increase their prices. So that way they cover that. So it really goes back to the consumer. But if you're using a credit card and you're a credit card user, for example, I have a credit card and you have a debit card. When I go pay, yes, it's 3% up, but because I'm getting 2% back and points or something, in the end, the rewards balance it out for me as a consumer. However, for you, unknowingly, because you have, because you're rocking a debit card, you are actually paying a higher premium. You're paying the same premium I am, but then you're not getting the things on the back end, like the rewards. So what I was thinking was, and many people know this, many people don't know this. All merchants, all small business owners are constantly talking about their their payment systems, right, and how much the the, the fees are. Oh yeah. So what I was thinking, hopefully, hopefully that was that was clear. And if it wasn't, you can tell me to do it again. Okay, cool. What I was thinking was, are there things happening now for those that are using AI? Let's say that they're the credit card users, that is actually having a negative effect, whether they know it or not, to the debit card users or the people not using AI. So hopefully that made sense. I, I used to be an education consultant. And when I was working with uh, schools and universities, uh, mostly on the East Coast, it was really apparent that the folks who had wealth were just in a different classroom, like literally a different classroom than the people who did not have wealth, right? That were, that were impoverished in some way. Um, I, I feel like there is the same thing happening with uh, technology as, as, as was happening with computer labs or with textbooks or with enough resources, you know, physical resources like libraries and books, right? Um, that's happening there. Uh, the same thing's happening with, with artificial intelligence as well. Um, so I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it's a tax, uh, but I, I do feel very strongly that um, embracing this technology is is kind of par for the course at this point and if you're not embracing the technology in some way um obviously depending on your background obviously depending on your domain like what you what you actually do but for the most part uh if you use a laptop regularly um if you're not embracing ai i i do think there is uh there's a there's there's definitely a penalty for that um in just how productive you might be okay so strictly productivity and this I wanted to ask this because I think that there are things constantly in our society beyond credit cards and beyond what I'm trying to ask you about AI, where some people are punished and they don't even know that they are, that there's, I like the word you use, that there's a tax being put on them, being levied on their existence or their wallet or their ability and their potential to maybe improve their livelihood. I, I, I don't want to really qualify, quantify that too much, but I do think that there are things throughout society where it's like, wow, I, you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that by doing this thing or not doing this thing, I may be mistakenly hurting myself or not getting the most out of it. And so anyways, that's kind of where I wanted to start the conversation today because AI is going to start to become really, really ubiquitous in our lives. And anything that's ubiquitous in our lives, people take for granted, right? Like there's a gym in every single city in America. And if not, you can go out and run. And most people still don't work out. 
Um, and so not doing that activity is actually, it's a decision someone makes. Um, so it's not something like the credit card, maybe it's not a decision they're making, but it's a decision that they make. And then that may help them to live a longer life. Right. And so I'm thinking as AI becomes more ubiquitous and I think it's already happening now, I want to ask you, are people already taking for granted AI? And that's such a wide question. Yeah. So please dive yeah, into it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, of course, like AI, I, I tend to think it's a bit of a misnomer or it's just like being being used in such a broad way. But yeah, it's sort of embracing like like the spirit of the question there. Um, you know, I, I think that more people, you're interacting with AI more than you think is the big point, right? So um, if you're on any social media platform, if you're you know, consuming the news, like someone probably generated that text in some way using AI or a lot of the posts online. Like if you ever get in, a, in an internet fight with someone on Reddit or whatever, like, like chances are like you're fighting with a bot, like, which is, which is just like so depressing. Right. Um, and there's really clever ways of making it seem like it's a human and like, you know, pulling at your heartstrings. It'll like read all of your previous posts or read all your previous reads or, or retweets or whatever. Um, so it gets, gets a sense of your personality. Um, but I think in that way, you know, we do have these digital avatars with which we're interacting already. Um, and so, you know, to your point, I, I think that is happening to a greater extent than, than most people acknowledge right now, or, or, or at least understand. Um, and, uh, that's kind of the, the first point. And then the second point is when that's kind of implicit, right. But explicit when they do come in contact with some of this AI, um, you know, in air quotes, uh, 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 this idea, think about the, the, uh, the Google launch of Gemini recently. So that was the kind of the, the, the GPT four, uh, response, uh, by Google and they had it under wraps for a long time. We were all anticipating it, but that came out and people were like, great. Like, where is it? When can I use it? Like, I guess this is cool. It kind of is better than GPT-4, maybe, but you haven't demonstrated that yet. And so that was just a moment where it was like, it was like Google literally just released like, like a humanity changing model. Like if, if, if there wasn't anything like this a year before with GPT-4, it would be like someone just like took the great pyramids of Giza and like multiplied it by 10,000. Like, this is the craziest thing that has ever happened. And people are like, eh, you know, um, <laughs> I think that that's a snapshot of like kind of where we are in terms of like, you know, the water is starting to boil and, and we're not really noticing. Um, and so, yeah, for those two reasons, implicitly, you don't really know that you're interacting with it. And two, when you explicitly are interacting with it, you, you, you just don't, it doesn't have the same effect because of how inundated we are with it already. That's how I've been feeling. And it's good to hear you as someone who works in this and is surrounded by it and seemingly consumes a lot of content around it, around the space, around the new developments to kind of share the same sentiment because it's kind of like the iPhone. When the iPhone comes out now every year, no one cares. Like it doesn't matter. But maybe the first three or four iPhones, there was like a lot of hype and people were just honestly more interested and more kind of like, there was a more of a, a shock value, meaning I'm literally going to put value to my shock and then go out and buy this thing or a FOMO. And Gemini has come out. And the other thing that's come out, which I want to go right to, which seemingly has gotten almost no news. And I can't tell if that's because there are certain parts of the world that are on fire right now. And they're just more important conversations for humanity to have right now. But long term, the launch of OpenAI's GPT store for me is like when the launch of the app store or the launch of iTunes. Like I remember very vividly when iTunes came out and it was like, Whoa, I can just store all my songs in here. Cause before that I was ripping them off Napster and LimeWire and keeping them on individual folders as MP3 files. I didn't have this nice user interface and a catalog that was easy to kind of go through and I couldn't create playlists and do all this stuff. So for me, GPT store has kind of been launched and it's just kind of like, I believe it's launched at least, and you can confirm or deny that, but it's just kind of like no one cares. And for me, it's one of the greatest opportunities for entrepreneurs or anyone into AI to go build their thing, sit back and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the reception is due to a few reasons, right? Just like you said, there's kind of a, a, an awareness of the product at, at, you know, in that form as it is. And then it's kind of a deviation from that. Uh, in the same way that when we had the hype around the iPhone, I don't know if you remember what we watched the iPad release as well. And it was like, 
oh, cool. It's like a bigger iPhone, which like, obviously it isn't, but like, that was the kind of cubby that we, the mental cubby that we put it into. Right. So that, so that's one, like people have seen this before, but two, I think the other thing is that a lot of people don't really understand, um, you know, what's happening underneath the hood there. Um, and, and it's not just like an ignorance thing. I'm not saying like you have to understand all the technology, but like truly the value that you're getting out of something like that isn't clear. And, and let me just give you an example. So when, when you're building a lot of these agents, um, like you would, you know, using the, the open AI endpoint, um, to build like chat agents or customer service agents, or, you know, someone to, 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 to handle your phone calls or your day-to-day -day scheduling or whatever. Right. Um, what a lot of folks are doing is they're, um, uh, using a, a, a retrieval mechanism. It's called ra um, uh, retrieval augmented generation. If you're familiar with that term, it's, it's brag. Um, I am now. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, essentially the, the big idea is that like, Hey, these, these, these models like GPT-4 or BARD or whatever, like they, they don't know everything. Um, and furthermore, we don't want them to know everything because we don't want them to have customer sensitive data and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and so um, what it'll do is it'll just use the base model as like, hey, you're a really logical answering, like question and answering system, but uh, I'm going to inject my own data into your prompt context mm -hmm. um, at the time that you generate it so that it's more informed, right? And so it's like, hey, like uh, what happened uh, to Celebrity X today? And it's like, it will then go search the internet. It will find some of the news articles. It'll inject that into the prompt, and then it will respond with you know whatever model we're talking about. So that's a retrieval augmented generation system. Those are difficult to build. Those are not easy. And so like there's there's the B minus B. Like within the next few hours, you and I could put it together like no problem, right? But trying to get to a production grade like A plus like start people will start spending money on your on your on your product and on your user experience. Like that sort of agent is not easy to build, right? What GPT, what, what OpenAI has done is they've built a platform for people to monetize off of using, I'm using one example, one design paradigm, but that's one of them that will come out. And I think the real issue is that a lot of folks think that this is just a way to wrap the existing GPT mechanism with like some fancy, like, oh, like I, I, I always sound like a pirate. I'm a pirate GPT. No, it's like there's there's some real functionality going on underneath the hood um, that is very difficult to build on your own at a production scale. And so I do think that it's actually going to be more useful than a lot of people think. And, and I think that'll start to uh, become clear, you know, as as the, the conversation surrounding how these products are used kind of evolves. So this is fascinating. And RAG is... Retrieval augmented generation. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. You said if you and I screw around for six hours, we have an idea and we just sit here and we ideate, uh, you know, ideate and we, and we go through and we're going to get something out on the other end. It's a B minus, right? You'd give it a B minus, right? We're our own harshest critics, especially when it comes to building stuff on the internet. And it would be great. <laughs> it would be fun. Yeah. It would be, it would be totally okay. cool. We could get it to like maybe order a pizza or something. That'd be fine. <laughs> okay, cool. So that actually is not bad. That would be AI Andy. Order me a pie. So <laughs> let's see. Okay. So it takes us six hours to make a B minus. Now, because of the exponentialness of AI, I wonder, just curiosity, in order for us to, you know, to get a B minus, it takes six hours. To get the B, it takes 20 hours, not just double, right? It takes 20 hours. Are you saying to get the A plus, it's going to take 500 hours of like solid and I come in with skills. You have your skills. Like we have actual skills we're putting into this. We're not just sitting there like, cause I know people who have created GPT since, uh, and put them up and I use them and it's no different than if I just use GPT four, as far as that retrieval mechanism. And so what would someone need to do? Who's listening to this to like actually go ahead and create something that would be an A or an A plus caveat. Is this under the assumption too that they know as much as you do? Like, what's the base that someone needs, and then the hours? And I know this is an impossible question to answer, so just yeah, just flow with it. Yeah. No, no, t totally, totally. Uh, yeah. So, so it, it definitely depends on the product that you're trying to build. Um, but you know, as we've seen in many other machine learning related or artificial intelligence related domains, um, data is really the key. And so, um, a big thing that's going to power, you know everything that you're doing in this space, especially for retrieval augmented generation is uh, uh, not only the amount of data that you have, but also the quality of data that you have. And so if you're trying to build like an intranet system for your fortune 500 company, 
Um, you can't just like throw every document that's ever been written by your company into a database and be like, hey, GPT-4, go find it. One, because that's a privacy nightmare, right? You don't want to train a model or give a model access to like all the emails that have ever been sent by the C-suite, right? Um, but but two, it's also like, how, how, do we, how are we breaking these up? Are we clustering the documents together by sentiment first? Are we, you know, mm -hmm. looking for like terms? I mean, there's just like such a pipeline that, that's kind of responsible. So if you and I had a very specific uh, problem that we were trying to solve and we had a perfect end-to-end -end database uh, that had everything that we needed, um, we could make a, a pretty tight version still in six hours, right? But like, that's like, you know, that's the mise en place that a chef gets. It's like, there are like teams of people who are like preparing vegetables all night. And then like the celebrity chef gets to come and be like, oh, look how easy it is. I can do this in 10 minutes. It's like, oh, great. Well, you had a data engineer working for six weeks to, to solve that problem. So the data is huge. Um, okay. And then also just the design of the user experience, you know, so what, what is it that we're actually, you know, trying to, to, to solve here, right? So again, if we had a perfect um, PRD, if we had a perfect document that just said everything, then, then that would be helpful. Um, th those two things, so, so data and design are, are really important. I'll say that like, to fully answer that question, you know, I, again, I, I listen to one or two hours of, of AI content a day. Um, and, and a lot of is it about like optimizing like RAG um, and like other, other, other chat models, I'm sorry, other um, like design patterns using chat models. Um, and there's just like hundreds of tips and tricks and, 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 you know, ways that, that people have been doing this, but yeah, if, if you don't have good data and you don't actually know what you're solving for, then it, you know, that, that's kind of where you start for, for a lot of these, these sorts of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause you know, garbage in garbage out, right? If you put in garbage, you can only get out a certain amount of, you know, finished product. And I was thinking about the GPT store and I was thinking about two separate ideas that I think people in every generation have tried to solve. And our generation is no different. And I have this conversation a lot with friends. I just had a friend who worked at a self-driving company in San Francisco. If you watch the news and know about tech, you know exactly what company this is. And he recently got laid off. And before that, he was doing city work, kind of social work. And he was, we, we met in the Peace Corps. So he definitely likes doing the community-aligned, mission-aligned work. And we've talked recently about the conundrum that we feel our generation is in and every generation we're not when you know millennials or whatever gen z or gen alpha or gen x no one's no one's outside of this which is how do i make money but also how do we make a difference in the world right and ideally you're doing both but sometimes we're not doing both and that's okay or we're making a difference that maybe we didn't think we'd be a part of in the team and making a difference and so my question is what gpt if you had nothing but time and all the resources in the world oh well, yeah just, well, first of all, imagine that, right? What GPT would you make that would both be salient for people to work with and that was also going to get you paid because people are going to, you know, engage with it and open AI is going to cut you that check. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so if the industry stayed flat, if it, if, if today was a snapshot and we're not talking about, so, so, and the reason I'm bringing that up is, is that. So many companies right now, um, a lot of people are calling them wrapper companies where they're essentially just using the open AI, open AI products and putting their veneer on top of it and then selling it to people. And then a few weeks later, open AI will make a product update where it just totally makes their product obsolete because all they were was a wrapper company, right? Um, we saw this with, you know, PDF to, to chat with your PDF, right? I mean, that, mm -hmm. that. That was the first example out of the gate and it was an awesome product and everybody started using it. And then like, boom, uh, opening, I put a little upload your document button in chat and chat GPT. And it was just like, dang, like, we, all right, boys, like, you know, but let's, let's, let's <laughs> hang it up. Right? I'll, I'll see you at Chili's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so if the industry is staying flat and we can assume that, that there are no product updates, we can kind of get a sense of, of, of what we would do here. Um, I, I think that I would do something with education. Um, I, I, I think that the work that, um, for example, Conmigo at uh, Khan Academy is doing is, is really fantastic. Um, again, that's essentially an open AI product that has great data and, and a great user experience that they've kind of baked in. Um, essentially, it, it, is a, it, is, it is both a tutor and a teacher, um, but it's also like a coach, right? So it's like, I'm not going to give you the answers. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be thinking about that. But again, when we're talking about RAG, um, 
what it'll do is it'll look at the entire context of your window, right? So it's in a browser experience. And so it's able to say like, oh, like they are working on this problem and they are this far through, and this is the work that we've done. And it injects that into the context and then is able to kind of respond a little bit better. Mm. That level of personalization, I think is something that, you know, that's, that's kind of the gold, you know, that, that is, I'm not going to say it's the panacea, but like, it, it is, it is something that a lot of folks have been kind of pursuing in the educational space, because we all know like one-on-one -on -one learning is the, is, you know, if you have the good teacher and you have the good environment and you have a good home life, like that, that is, that is a path forward. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that this is a step in that direction. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would love to find a way to, to make that kind of personalized assistant that has long-term memory, um, you know, uh, remembers your, your joys when you, you know, were, were doing well in soccer, but also your failures when you like had a hard time, you know, getting ready for the school dance. I mean, like little things like that, that, that really help inform, you know, how much you respect and care for your teacher. Um, I think that's something that, you know, people could have, um, with, with an agent, um, that would really boost their, their like education. And so, yeah, that, that's something I'm interested in again you know, three months from now, it'll be like, uh, you know, Conmigo 2.0. And I'm like, all right, great. You know, I didn't even get my business plan out the door, but here we go. So, uh, so something to think about for sure. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause you almost have to say, first of all, like, you know, assuming things are the way they are like ceteris paribus and then nothing changes from there. You can only build from that because as you said, and I actually put this on the interwebs, but you had texted me every AI company is one software update away from being irrelevant. And that was just like, geez, because I have seen a lot of these white label rapper, not like little Wayne with a W yeah, uh, rapper companies that have just kind of white label have a really nice website set up. Uh, and the back end is that and you get to search for something and it could be like, one of the things I've seen a lot is for different cuisines. So like cooking books, it'll be like the vegan AI or whatever, and you can put anything in and it will give you vegan. Um, others are just entire basically like anywhere it could be like you know give me anthony bourdain's favorite dish that he cooked in southeast asia and it would like find it so all those things are basically rappers and they're one update away from being obsolete is that what we're saying i yeah i would say so um and, and well listen you know I, there's a lot of ways to bring value into a marketplace um anyone can build an uber app like, again, we could do that in a weekend and it would work great for like 10 cars. Right. But like, where are the cars? Like, right. Like where, where's the licensing information that we need for each County? I mean, there, there's, there's such a moat that Uber and Lyft have built, um, that has nothing to do with their software. Right. Right. And so, you know, for these rapper companies, like if, if PDF, if chat with your PDF, uh, you know, got a, a government contract that said for the next 10 years, the federal government can only use chat PDF when chatting with PDFs, like that rapper company is not going anywhere. Right. So there, there's, there's a lot that's going to like bolster it, but honestly, I, you know, if, if I could kind of just like extend the question a little bit, like yeah. what might be more resilient to, you know, these, these sorts of changes that are happening, um, strong opinion is that it's, it's, uh, the interface. Right now we have, you know, we are, we are watching, uh, the cost of intelligence go down and down and down and down. And yet mm. when we're using that low cost intelligence to get us the vegan cuisine, like you said, or, you know, get the Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, you know, um, whatever conversation that he had, you know, that sort of thing, we're still going to get our laptop or going to get our phone and we're like, okay, wait, chat GPT, like, Hey, remember me, you know, like, right. Um, that is a cumbersome process. Right. And we're seeing something that is dramatically changing the way that we think about intelligence. And yet it's still crammed into this sort of like pocket sized thing that was revolutionary at a time, but is now, you know, pretty cumbersome. Right. And so the other day I, I took a trip, I don't have easy pass and I forgot that I didn't have easy pass and I took a trip and it went through New Hampshire, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And I triggered like toll by plate for like, you know, five States. Right. So I'm I got all these like arrested by the national guard, you know, I, like, that's a lot. No, but Hey, <laughs> they're going to make money off of me. Right. Because they get to put on the, oh, yeah. all the administrative fees, but I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, I have to go fill out an account online 
and give my credit card information and type out my address for five different states right now. Like what, you know what I mean? And like, so, so the, the next time that I can say like, Hey, agent X, go pay my bills. Like that, that's a company that like that, that's an idea that is one going to be really tough to do. Um, and then two, I, I think it's going to be more resilient than, you know, just, just adding a functionality. It's like adding an interface to the functionality, I think is the next step that we're going to see in, in, uh, 2024. I would have never in my mind's eye gun to my head have come up with that idea of how do I, you know, how to pay bills or how to argue parking tickets or something. Like if yep. you have an arguing a parking ticket app and it's a dollar a month, we'll make it subscription because that's the way we live now. And yep. you live in New York city, you would buy a family plan, right? Why would you not? If you have a car, obviously, because it's, because it's yeah. so crazy and that's such a low entry. And so you had brought up, if you want to access AI, you have to go get your computer. Yeah, or I have to get yeah, my and, and obviously it. people have different ways. I mean, I'm you know I'm just sort of no, pointing no, out no, that no. it's still yeah. No, but this is good. This, is good though. this leads me into something that has happened since you were last on the podcast. I don't even know if we've talked about this when we when we see each other. You're totally right. If I want to use AI or I want to write something or I want to ask ChatGPT a question or start to go through some prompts to understand something better, I have to have the laptop which I'm currently looking at, or I have to have my cell phone. But something that has happened is, well, we've always known that tech is going to try to move away from holding this thing in our hand. Now, whether it's going to be the goggles or it's going to be some glasses, like the Ray-Ban ones that Facebook has, we're going to be able to, you know, read things on signs and tell us and be like, yeah, call that pizza place. You know, I'm looking at it or whatever. Humane came out with their pin for $700. And I know you've seen this. I kind of want to ask your thoughts on it, but would you buy it? First of all, just yes or no? No. Why not? Couple of reasons. One, I don't think it's the right design for the next chapter of humanity. Um, it seems pretty cumbersome to like have something on your body that like you're not listening to in headphones. Like it, we we already have people on the subway like like watching their their phones on full blast, and it's terrible, right? It's like, horrible. Why would it's why horrible. would we why would we encourage that? Right. Um, obviously they're saying like, Oh, it's, you're going to be surrounded by sound, but it does that you're in a bubble of sound. It's like, all right. Um, and then two, it just, it just seems like a really awkward kind of interface. Like it, do you, you know, you're, you're tap, are you like talking into it? Like I'm just seeing people work with it and it, it just doesn't seem like something that's going to come naturally to folks. Unlike an iPhone that was like, why have a stylist just use your fingers. Right. Um, and so that's one. And then two, I think it's a privacy nightmare. Right. Like, I, I don't know who this company is. I've never heard of them. I'm just going to let them have a microphone in my life 24 seven, literally listening to me all the time. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like their, their, their goal is to do analytics on the expressions that you have during the day. Like that's that, that is a Orwellian nightmare right there. And so, you know, I think that's where we're probably headed with a lot of this stuff, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that the, the startup founder that no one's ever heard of using a pin that they want to inject into your life, doing everything is going to be the people that we actually see that control over to. When you said privacy nightmare, the first thing that came to my mind was that not the audio was the visual that that thing could be recording oh, the yeah. entire time. And you may witness, for example, you're on the subway. Let's use the subway salient example. You're on the subway and somebody gets stabbed and you happen to have this thing on and now are you going to be brought in? Cause now they know that they've seen, like, is there something in the back that's like, if you see a violent act, it has to, and it's in the terms and conditions. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it devolves really quickly. And when I saw it, I was very interested. I'm interested to, to, to try to use it just to see like how it is once the experience. But I felt the same way about the audio. I think it has to have a Bluetooth connection into AirPods. And then we're going literally Joaquin Phoenix, her all the way there. Right. But for $700, I was like, if you really believe in this product and they're selling iPhones now for 1200 bucks, how is it not 1500 bucks? That's the thing that threw me off the price, like the, the price anchoring. I was like, mm, we've got, you know, Apple vision coming out for the metaverse for 3,500 bucks. The Facebook Ray-Bans, you know how much those are? I don't. I, I don't know, but they're not 700 bucks. I assume that they're a lot more just because of their capabilities. Oh, I see. So, so you're saying it's, it's too much for what they're offering. No, I'm saying it's too cheap. I'm saying I don't oh, trust okay. the product because among oh, the I other see, products I that I would want to buy and try out that are new and techie, it's so cheap. I'm like, I don't trust. Like if I come up and I'm like, hey, hey, man, 
I got this designer bag. Buy it for me for 50 bucks. You're like, I don't, that doesn't align with the, the, the social capital I'm going to get from carrying that bag. It probably is worth more than 50 bucks. You're telling me it's an original. So anyways, but I hadn't thought about the audio, but you're right. Totally. Like you could, you know, that's, that's why many people, including myself, we turn off the microphone for so many social media apps. So, you know, yeah. if they change the terms of services and they update it and you know, whatever, like we said before, again, the, the, the pin or, you know, uh, I, I don't remember the, the little device with the rabbit on it that just came out. It's escaping me right out, now. Yeah. Also, um, we need to talk about that. Cause I saw that and I was like, wait, how is this? better than anything that we have. Yeah. So like, and then I was like, people had pet rocks. So I don't know. Yeah, like, that's we, true. Uh, I can't decide right? on what the consumer, exactly the Tamagotchis. And so a big thing there, again, it's like, it's, if you're holding a device, why is it better than an iPhone? You can make an iPhone. People can make iPhones. People make knockoff iPhones all the time. Right. But no one's going to make iCloud easily. Right. No one's going to make the commercials easily. No one's going to make 30 years of being the coolest, hippest tech company on the planet easily. Right. Again, it's like mm -hmm. Uber, like anyone can build an Uber clone, but no one can build what the empire that they've built. Right. That same with Apple. So yeah, sure. with, with those, with those devices, like the device itself, Ceders Paribus, okay, maybe it's a little bit more useful than an iPhone, but there's no way I'm in a fire going to grab my rabbit device <laughs> over my phone. Honey, you know honey, what I mean? Get the baby. Yeah. I got to go upstairs get the rabbit if i die the will is set it's in the cloud so i could be totally wrong maybe this is the coolest new thing to happen but uh yeah i'm, I'm not seeing it um one of the one of the things that i've been saying recently to people is that much like in 2010 or 2011 you know i'm working in media now and in 2010 or 2011 being a social media manager was a very rare job Right. And I do all media because we do podcasts as well. And we do other types of shows and not just social media. But if we think about social media in 2010 or 2011, getting a company to pay you to run their Facebook and their Twitter at that time, I don't think Insta I forget exactly when Instagram launched, but let's live in the world. Instagram was there too. getting someone to pay you money to run that was difficult. And there were only a certain amount of companies in the world that were running it, like, you know, Nike, like high product companies, Apple, certain companies had people to run that because they saw the value in it. Most mom and pops still sleep on it today. They have no idea how to use social media, run paid ads to leverage their product or their service. So fast forward to now though, that's something you should be doing. And if you're not doing, you're leaving money on the table and you're probably losing to your competitors, as we said earlier, without even knowing it, if we go back to the credit card analogy, I tell people all the time that where we are now in by 2026, 2027, there's not going to be a fortune 500 company. If they don't already, that's not going to have a blockchain division, a blockchain team thinking about how they can leverage that tech to offer a better product or service. Where do you think we are with AI and fortune 500 companies? And when will the mom and pop almost be forced into even just thinking more about AI, not just like using a product like ChatGPT or something to write an email to, to their clients, but actually like saying, we're going to go buy that thing because we're going to leverage it to do this. And I'm not sure if I'm asking the question right, but basically sure. at what point is this a, a game a game theory where if I'm not using it, I'm losing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think we're already seeing that there's going to be competitive pressure from the the bottom. So we've got the Fortune 500 okay. companies, the Fortune 1000s that are flying pretty high, and they've got again the federal, the federal grants, or I'm sorry, the federal contracts, and you know other things that bolster them against the competition. But at the same time, you know if you can be an insurance company and you're able to offer your services at half the cost because you need you know a third of the agents actually working, um, like human agents working, you know, or, or however you want to do it. Um, that's going to start to to you know make waves in in the highest boardrooms you know in in the country and in the world right so so the mm -hmm. the, the bottom up pressure I think is starting. However, um, as a software engineer, let's remember that you know I, I think of often that our entire financial system is still built on programs that were written in the seventies, right. And so the swift banking system is like, <laughs> if it broke, like they would have a hard time, like getting it back up. Like, you Andy, should, I'm, sorry, you're starting I'm, to sound, you're starting to sound like a crypto bro and I like it. So oh, just keep okay. going. <laughs> just keep you're going. rubbing just keep off going. on me, man. 
Yeah, so, if only there was another global financial system everyone could access that can't break. If only. Okay, yeah. okay continue, continue. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, no endorsements there, but but you're totally right. I'm, I'm on I'm on the same page with you uh, um, metaphorically. Um, but yes, conceptually. But um, t- totally, where where this code is literally lit- written in the seventies and eighties. Fortune five hundred companies still write everything in Java because you know that was the coolest thing 15, 20 years ago, right? Th- those sorts of things. Um, and so, you know, a, a great CEO, I'm trying to remember, um, his name, but he was like, you have to remember that when you're entering into a corporate environment, one thing mm-hmm. happens every 10 years. Mm. Right. And so it's like, can you give me an example? Get, I'm not sure if I, I understand, but I want to like, give me that example. One thing every 10 years. Yeah, for sure. If you're outsourcing, let's say like, okay, we are, we are growing. We're a bigger company. Um, we need to take, you know, this concept of like, people are going to write us letters to get um, some sort of feedback or get some sort of dispute solved or whatever. We're going to move to like telephones, right? That's crazy. Um, I, I can't believe they do that. Nuts, <laughs> right? Uh, that'll take 10 years, right? Like the IRS has been trying to make it possible for people to go online and use an internet portal to file their taxes and you know, um, be able to like dispute and like, you know, make this easier for a long time. Right. And we're starting, we're, we're, we're get a pilot program in 2024, thankfully for like a, mm. a small number of people, but, um, you know, that, that takes 10 years. So, so this is something that, that, you know, uh, uh business analysts and, and folks who are in the know will be able to explain much better, but essentially like this, the, a, a corporate giant, like Johnson and Johnson is really difficult to steer. And if, if, if they see where the puck is going, you know, it will already be gone by the time that they can point towards it. Right. And so this is why you see a lot of folks who are saying like these industry giants are going to be the last people to adopt AI, um, just because it is, you know, such a, a, a new technology. Um, however, again, I think with the bottom up pressure and just the, um, the trajectory of the industry and where it's headed, I think that the writing is on the wall and, and I hope that folks can move faster. Um, than, than kind of the 10 year life cycle. Okay. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Now having just worked at a nonprofit, that's one of the biggest in the world, their individual ground level desires among employees to do the things of now gargantuan. Once you get everyone to do the same dance in a line, eight months minimum to do something that even though everyone agrees upon, it just takes a long time. So, okay. So, so thank you for spelling that out. I have been looking down at my phone errantly here because I'm trying to bring up these things, these, these images, and I save stuff. And if you're watching any of Instagram, please follow more than blockchain because I put up stuff all day long. And you do. more I don't recently, have Instagram and I know that. Yeah, I know you know because Lindsay's probably like, look, he put up something else. Because <laughs> I, I, I send her stuff all the time and I know she's probably like, I am not Andy's like pseudo Instagram. <laughs> but <laughs> the... Thing that was put up, I have a couple saved that I wanted to just run through because I, I think we've talked about on this podcast as well. In one of the episodes, you, you brought up adaptability, right? That is like your superhero, your superpower, excuse me, in the modern age. And this is from January 3rd. And this is from another podcast, actually, Earn Your Leisure. I will shout them out. Very, very cool podcast. This says Google may lay off 30,000 employees as AI improves operational efficiency, right? Okay, 30,000 employees. I don't know what that is of their full breadth of global employees, but that's 30,000 people who bring paychecks um, to their home, and that's a big deal. And then Duolingo, this is another one that I saw recently. I was like, whoa. Duolingo lays off 10% of workforce, citing shift to generative AI. And when I see these things, and I was talking to my father the other night, and we've talked about this before, that it seems (laughs) that... No one can hide from this. Q, I just put up on Instagram a, a video of a robot uh, sauteing shrimp. <laughs> and I know that that's super far from happening, but like the idea that they can do it now, I jump ahead and I'm like in five years and there's already automated kitchens now. So it's like adaptability is a great thing. If we all had that, you know, if we all put that on and we were going to get down and, and, and dive into that. But I'm also like, You've told me that coders may not exist in five years, and that's your profession. And I've looked at the data, and the data is telling me, as somebody who makes content and media, that in by 2025, which is right around the corner, we're now in 2024, 40-plus percent of content is going to be made by artificial intelligence. 
what are we doing? What are we doing? There's no easy what answer, by the way. There's no, yeah. So specifically, I, are you talking about how are we going to be resilient? Like how are you and changes? I going to live in a tent in the woods? You know, I know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking that like, I'm asking that sarcastically, but I'm also looking at it and I'm like, the more I dive into what AI can do, the more I realize most jobs are probably going to be replaced by this or could be replaced by this, by something that's more efficient, that doesn't need healthcare, that can work 24, 7, 365, that doesn't need to take holidays off. And so it's like, what happens? I don't know. I had kind of like an existential crisis the other day where I wasn't worried about maybe, oh, how am I going to make money that and survive to put a roof over my head to be able to buy the food I like and to be able to fly, you know, fly home to see my family or, or be in Colombia or, you know, be able to come by your house and, and hang out with you guys. We can all order a pizza. You know, at some point, our society is still anchored in capitalism. So good vibes can only get you so far. And it's like, what happens if 10%, which is a small number of the workforce, is replaced by AI in the next three years, which I actually think is reasonable of the white collar workforce. I'm putting white collar in quotes here, but basically people that if you work behind a computer, I think you're going to be closer to getting replaced. And even 10% in three years would be a massive upheaval, right? Or am I, am I crazy? No, it'd be be huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, a couple of things there is that uh, it won't happen overnight. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, make me feel safe. Can you make me feel safe? Oh it, no, I can't do that. I can never do <laughs> okay, that. Okay, good. That's a okay, bad, great. That's thanks. a bad idea. Um, Keep me out of my yeah, comfort zone. End of end of conversation. No, so so <laughs> listen, we're we're you know I, I think about the the job thing a lot. Uh, very very um, selfishly. Just I'm, I'll just talk about myself for for a minute. Um, no, I I I I feel very strongly that my job as it is will not exist in five years. Right. Um, or as of today, I mean, I'm using ChatGPT and, and, and other, um, you know, services all the time for, for programming work, right? Um, for my own work, only the ones that are approved and, you know, that sort of thing. But generally speaking, if I have something to do, I'll have a few different windows open and I will be like, okay, here is the piece of code that I want. Let me get that agent working on it. Okay, here's another piece of code that I want. Let me get that agent. And I've got like a a little kitchen of cooks that are kind of working for me. Right. Um, I, I think that this is going to happen at a much bigger scale to the point where, you know, in a few years as a software engineer, I, I won't really be, um, someone who's, you know, writing code as we think of it today, but instead I'll, I'll be an architect who is managing a work site, uh, okay. of, of little agents that are kind of uh, off and running and, and doing a very specific task for me. And then, you know, bubbling up to their manager and then their manager bubbles up to, you know, the manager of managers and then gets back to me. Right. Um, so you might even have like hundreds or thousands of, of these bots kind of working for you in the background on whatever task it is. Right. Um, that is something that everyone's going to have. Right. And so, whereas we think that those jobs used to be had by humans, um, it might be the case that our industry responds such that we need uh, many, many more folks to be powered by those AI work sites, as I've described them with hundreds or thousands of bots. Um, and so that's what our jobs will be. Right. Okay. I, I am not one of those folks. Like I, I, I frankly have strong disagreements with someone like Jan LeCun, who is the head of AI at Meta, um, who, you know, just says time and time again, we have seen that, you know, there's no horse and buggy drivers either, right? Um, there's no, you know, whatever. Um, I, I disagree with that sentiment because I think it's kind of just that, that, you know, it harkens back to like, oh, like the market is wise, the market will decide. And it's like the market's made a lot of terrible decisions that have hurt a lot of people. And I'm really glad that we have folks step in and try and change that for, for the better, other than just saying like, let's, regulation is the problem type of thing. Um, and so in, in that way, I, 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 I am optimistic that people will be able to respond to this um, and, you know, actually start to use and leverage AI in their, in their day to day. But absolutely, I think that so many jobs that we think of today will not exist in five years and definitely not in 10 years. Right. Um, and that that to me is is really, really pretty terrifying uh, on how you know we're actually going to respond to it. Yeah, I just think the world economy right now is just so fragile. And so even if every single country had 1% increase in their unemployment, it would be bad. 
And that's just like such a small number, like 1%, you know? So anyway, I wanted to run that by you, run that by you. And I was just seeing all these things. It's like, wow. Cause for me, I'm like, if you're working at Duolingo, you are, you have some unique skills and they've been cultivated over a long period of time. And you maybe speak a language that not a lot of people speak. And so they hire you to help basically create their content. But now that they can just use AI, part of me was like, that's a great thing. Cause I know that there's tons of Mayan languages that are dying because the people are dying and they're not written down. And so it's like, maybe if we can capture them in AI, that's great for cultural heritage. Um, so there's always a, you know, there, there, there's always a, there's two sides of the coin, but I, I just wanted to share that. Cause I'm like, wow, if Google's laying off 30,000 people, what are we all going to do? Or is that, you know, is, is that Google's also going to do that before everyone else is right. I assume Google's five years ahead of most of the curve too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll say about that, again, th this is not an endorsement of anyone's perspective, like Don LeCun or anyone else who says we're all going to be fine. But like, we, we also have to consider that like there is in the, in the boardroom, there is a display and it has one number on it and it's the stock price. Right. And it's ticking sure. by how much, how much money are we worth? Oh, little dip up, oh, little, little raise. Like, and they're just like trying to steer the ship. Right. Every press release they put out is related to that stock price. Right. When do we announce it? What do we say? What language do we use? As it turns out, a lot of like meta analysis of the different companies, especially tech companies over the last few years, they've been hoarding talent. And that's what a lot of folks are saying. That's sort of the editorialized thing where it's like it was it was free money that we were getting for the last few years, like it, it absolutely zero cost to like raise money and like borrow money and spend mm. money. And at that point, it was just like, hey, let's just grab as many people as we can. That means that the other team isn't going to have it. Let's, let's ride this out and see what happens. And so we're seeing these layoffs and a company like Google says that they're going to lay off 30,000 people because of AI. That is, that is just a, a shot across the bow to every other company. Like one, we really care about AI. Uh, two, uh, we are lean, you know, we are embracing, uh, we're, we're not trying to, you know, go, go, uh, full bore on, on the budget. And then also three, like we're just thinking about where the industry is headed, right? It's like that, that to me is, is less about the jobs and it's more about a press release of like where they want to position themselves in the, in the mind of the investors, right? The people who actually own the stock. But again, that you're absolutely right. Like, again, I do think that this, uh, there, there is very much a wave of, uh, of joblessness coming. Um, and you know, it, it, people thought that it was going to be the blue collar jobs. It's not, it will be the white collar jobs. Um, and it will be for programmers. It will be for translators. It will be for, you know, anyone who does most of their work on a laptop within the next five years, your job is 100% at risk. So, well, I want to first, thank you for giving that context. Cause I think you're right. I think that everyone between 2008, basically after the financial crisis, when they dropped the interest rates to zero, cause they needed people to spend money up until recently when we've jacked interest rates from like zero all the way up to five or 6%, or if you bought a mortgage recently, you know, it's, it's egregious. There was a lot of gluttony that happened. And so maybe them laying off 30,000 people gets them back to actually their fighting weight. Right? So having that narrative makes me feel a little bit better as far as looking at some of those headlines, but I think you're right. It more than anything, it's a signal. We're not we're not afraid of sacrificing the now for the future, even if that means people that we say are our family in the company emails. And I use air quotes yeah. there. So all that makes sense. As we come to an end, do you have any last thought about AI where it is today? And I ask you that because we may not record another episode for three months. And in three months, I don't even know what's going to happen, even having seen some of the changes that have happened. The humane pin came out since we last talked. The launch of the GPT store uh, came out with Sam Altman. Sam Altman also has been fired and then rehired at OpenAI. Microsoft has added an AI button to their laptop. Um, is there anything you want to say right now in this moment that we kind of uh, crystallize before, uh, before we end the episode? Uh, yeah. How many hours do you have? What's, what's the deal? Here? How many hours uh, do you <laughs> we, 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 there's, there's so, there's so much. So, so first and foremost, I think 2024 is the year of the agent. So okay. 2023 was the year of the large language model. We've had large language models since the eighties, but like they first came into our idea or our public consciousness in 2023. Uh, people leveraging large language models to do complex tasks, especially that, that relate to um, 
uh, complex thinking over many steps. So long-term, okay. long-term planning, um, that will be 2024. Right. And so at that point we're, we're starting to see this already where folks are, you know, we tend to think of ChatGPT as something that you can go and ask for cool recipes, right. Or, you know, uh, Hey, here's a picture of my math homework. Can you solve it? Right. But um, what we will be getting and what we have in some forms, what we will be getting is, Hey, can you please develop a mathematics course for me mm. and publish it and print it out and then put it on Amazon and drop ship it to people. And that's, that's where we're headed. Right. I don't think that we're going to see that in 2024, but the concept of what we think of as kind of a large language model, ChatGPT, is going to change dramatically in the public consciousness to where we see it more as a, a, a thing like a golem, you know, that is awake and alive that can go mm. and do things for us in the world and not just respond to our like tedious questions uh, in the voice of a pirate. Right. Um, and so, we're, you know, we're, 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 see we're seeing that as it is right now. My, my guess is that by like Q2 of this, of this year, I mean, you know, within the next 120 days, we're going to see a release, a pretty major release from OpenAI and maybe Google related to that, uh, where we're going to have this sort of like agentic work in the world, uh, model of a product. Um, and I think that's really going to start to open people's eyes even more. I think that's going to be like another step change that doesn't just feel like, and, and like, ah, oh, it's just an iPad. Like, I, you know, I, I think that, I think that when folks are saying to an agent, Hey, can you please, um, dispute this, this parking ticket for me? I don't want to wait on hold. I think that's really going to change people's perspective on, on what is possible. Cause then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second, like. Like, uh, why am I, why am I talking to anyone ever? You know, like, why am I, you know, um, sort of doing that. So that's, that's like one 2024 is the year of the agent. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, all I was going to say is when you said Gollum, I was like, that's the name of the parking agent AI. It's called Gollum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you yeah, imagine it, you're a city clerk in the middle yeah. of America? It oh, sounds like gosh. Gollum's on the phone. <laughs> oh gosh. I got to deal with this guy again. You know, I gotta yes. deal with Gollum. Yes. My precious. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, um, two, yeah. So, so one, the year of the agent, right. Year um, of the agent. Two, got it. two, um, 2024, uh, AI companionship will also be at the forefront of the conversation. Um, we, we are, we are perilously close to losing a generation of people to what we think of as false personhoods, um, okay. missing out on social interactions, missing out on, you know, having, um, love and interests and going out. Um, you and I, are, are now the older generation who are not going to be privy to a lot of this stuff, which is, which is unfortunate, obviously me much more so than you, I, I'm not going to be privy to this much more because I'm, <laughs> I'm not on social media. No, no, but seriously, I'm not on social media yeah. and stuff, but we have a generation of teenagers right now who have a 24 seven loving, caring, compassionate, thoughtful, always on AI companion who will never let them down and never leave them, who very subtly is also selling them shit. And that should terrify us because that is the back door. That is, if you get into the public consciousness of 10 million young adults as I am the only one who loves you, I am the only one who cares about you and also make sure that you keep your subscription active. Um, <laughs> It, you know, that's, that's where you can start to really sway elections. That's where you can really start to sway public opinion on things and, and, and move into the first time that you fell in love, Bobby, think about it. The first can, time you fell in love, if, if, if that person called you right now and said, I need your help, what would you do? Right? Well, yeah. I mean, this is TMI for the podcast, but the, my first kiss, she actually wrote me last night. Um, what? She actually wrote me last night. She lives in New Hampshire. She married a guy from Holland. When she was, she was studying abroad, they met, married a guy from Holland. They got three kids. Uh, we chat once every five years, but she wrote me last night. But, you know, that, that will always be like special to one another for, because we were each other's sure. first kiss or whatever. Sure. But I can't imagine if that was a, 
a technology, if that was uh, something that lived in my head. This is literally, yep. if you have not seen the movie, Her, and I know you have, if you've not seen the movie Her by Joaquin Phoenix, everyone, you need to go watch that because that is where we are headed. You're talking about this. And before we logged on, and I was late to log on today to record with you, Deepak Chopra, uh, Chopra put up, uh, he was on NFT Now, which is, it's a media company on NFTs. They also have uh, AI Now. He was on and the podcast and he was echoing exactly what you're saying. He's like, I use AI all the time. It's my health coach. It's my assistant. It's my confidant. And he said, it's slowly becoming it's like he, he said, it's slowly becoming, and it can be for you, your spiritual guide. And that is exactly what you're talking about. So sorry, continue on your thought of me talking to my first lover, the, you know, the first antic sentiment I had. Totally. I mean, we have this piece of our brain that we, you know, our mind, our, 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 our coming of age moment where we, uh, we, you know, we get imprinted on someone mm -hmm. imprinted, and that yeah. face and that smell and that that how they, how they, you know, make you feel is, is it stays with you for the rest of your life. And what if that was a subscription model and not a human, right? And, and so, you know, we've seen this already where, you know, we had a company, um, forgive me for not remembering the name, but it was like, basically these companions were also able to, you know, go to places that were, you know, themed for adults, right? And, and they would have these sorts of conversations. Well, as soon as the um, as soon as folks try to start to regulate it and they got concerned about, you know, oh, what if they're asking questions about minors or, you know, that sort of thing, they totally nerfed it and said, actually, our, our policy is now that you can't have explicit conversations. We're going to dumb down the models and tens of thousands of people all of the sudden lost their companion. Like they literally overnight were having a relationship with someone. And then because of a, of a product update uh, they were gone, you know? So, so it's this sort of inextricable link to an entity that isn't real. Um, sorry, that's, that's the wrong way to put it because anything that you believe is going to be real in a certain sense, but any, but something that is controlled by, you know, uh, 10 people in a room in, in Silicon Valley, you know, shouldn't be your first crush. Right. And so that's, that's, that's very much on my mind. Um, uh, as we, as we kind of go into 2024, can I say one more thing? It's all you. This is AI with Andy. You got it. Three. So, so Three. Uh, okay. yeah, one, you're the agent Two. year of the AI companion, which is terrifying. Three, just from September 1st to the moment that you vote, do not turn on mm. your phone. Just don't just yet. Yeah, it, 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 it is, it is going to be so terrifying. You there, nothing will be real. There will be, this politician has been killed. Um, this person that you love sends you a voicemail that sounds like them endorsing this other politician. It, there will, nothing will be true on the internet because we are, we're in a really weird um, um, space. So there's um, um, elections happening throughout the world um, in the European Union in particular. They've just enacted, uh, or they're, they're putting language in place that will enact um, certain policies against um political speech as it relates to artificial intelligence that prevent a lot of the generation that we're talking about. That, however, does not go into effect until 2025. And so we are in this era, in this really terrible gray area where we had laws in place, they're being phased out right as the elections are happening before the actual laws get put in place that, I, that, that do this. And so people's guards are down, people's tempers are high, the technology is exploding everything you see in here on the internet will be fake and it will be intended to, to make you angry. So I, again, turn off your phones, <laughs> do not engage with anybody on, uh, uh politics, uh, between, you know, even, even now until the end of the election, but definitely September 1st and the end of the election. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that because it's an election year and obviously as U S citizens, it's huge. And obviously the U S election has, ripple effects and ramifications that go around the globe probably 10 times. I really worry about, and I've already seen deep fake content on Twitter that just makes the rounds. And I'm like, that is not real. And people actually know it's not real, but it's just yeah. kind of like satirical or funny. So they like, let it go. But for me, I'm like, anytime you retweet, you repost, you even comment, you engage, you even stop scrolling. You are feeding the algorithm that that is yep. something interesting and, and yep. attention. And so 
I completely agree. I like that. I do think that would be an interesting diet to have in the election year and are probably the biggest election year of AI as everyone will always be, you know, as tech continues to grow to really think about what am I engaging with? How long am I engaging with it? Um, and more importantly, who sent it to me and what's the point of what I'm engaging with? There's something behind. It's probably trying to drive an emotion because that's who we are. We try to drive emotions in people so that way they vote a certain way. So that's amazing. Um, wow. Okay. So just as a review, we have AI agent, AI companion, and then break your iPhone September 1st. Um, where can people find you? I, I feel like we always shout out LinkedIn. Is that still the, the best place to find you if they want to That's connect? the best place to find me. LinkedIn.com uh, slash user. Anyway, my username is Andy M <laughs> as, in, as in Mary Bryant. Uh, Andy M. Bryant. You can find me on LinkedIn where I sweet, where I very rarely post and uh, <laughs> will enjoy any messages, one and all, to uh, wax eloquent about the things that bother me about AI and, and where we're headed. But it's always such a pleasure talking to you, man. And I, I, I love being a part of this conversation. So yeah, thank you so much. Well, you remember this is our podcast, so. <laughs> oh, that's right. You know, hey, Avi, thanks so much. Jay, thanks so much for being on this podcast today. Uh, it's always good talking to you. Uh, we'll go back to our regular programming next week where we don't where we don't talk about money at all. We just talk about at, AI nonsense. At all, at all. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us uh, at More Than Blockchain on social media. Whatever social media you're on, find us there. If you enjoyed this, please go ahead and subscribe. Also consider sharing it with someone. AI can literally impact anyone on earth. So if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and share it. As always, thanks for watching.